do 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 I'm waiting here Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. Hello. How's it going? It's going okay. How are you? I am tired. Yeah. Just a bit tired. I'm sorry you're tired. Why are you tired? (laughs) Well, today I was doing a bunch of yard work and then I got my workout in, but it might have to do with doing Mount Washington. Oh, yeah. Uh, Word race, which I survived. You did. Barely. I'd say you thrived. You beat your previous time. (laughs) I don't know that I would say thrive. Beat your previous time. (laughs) I did beat my previous time only by like a minute, but that was still, you know, better than not beating my previous time. And that's with me stopping to try to help somebody who refused my help and also stopping to take a bunch of pictures along the way. Hell, yeah. 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 Who refused your help? Are they okay? There were, I don't know. <laughs> I hope so. There were a bunch of people that were underdressed for the weather oh, at the summit geez. because it started off as 60 and humid at the bottom with light misting showers. But at the top, it was maybe 40, low 40s with about 25 mile an hour wind oh. and pouring rain. And I'm pretty sure there was some sleet mixed in with that, mm-hmm. although I can't confirm, but... Based on the crustiness of my hair and the way it sounded beating down on my hood of my jacket, pretty sure it was sleeting. And so, yeah, the people that were only wearing tank tops and shorts were not prepared for that. And I offered one guy in particular looked like he was doing really bad. And so I stopped and was like trying to get him to accept the emergency blanket that I was carrying with me because I actually had two just in case one for myself. And I'm like, you know what, just in case another runner needs one, let me bring an extra one. But he is like, nope, it's only a mile and a half left. I'm like, yeah, but it's going to just get worse and colder and windier and rainier than throughout that mile and a half. Just take the damn blanket. But he refused. And then because it was so foggy, I ran like another couple feet and then just turned back to see like is he still moving because he was stopped in the middle of the trail like doubled over when I found him like so he was moving again but I turned back just to see like if he had kept moving I couldn't even see him anymore because it was so foggy but then I saw somebody from one of the road crew trucks that was along the way like going back down the trail so I was guessing that probably someone else had told that guy that there was someone that needed help so I'm I'm assuming no one died on the course, (laughs) otherwise I'd probably heard that, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. Well, that sounds way rougher than the first time. Yeah, yeah, it was. Kathy did it with me the first time, and we had great weather. We did. Even, like, it was chilly, obviously, up above the tree line, but not precipitating and not that bad. It was chilly and windy, but yeah, exactly. It wasn't raining, and it wasn't that cold either. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was rough. rough. So, yeah, you did it again. I would not ever do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do have a tendency to drink a few too many beers and then be like, I'm going to sign myself up for a race. I don't know why, but whenever I have been drinking, I will sometimes find myself super motivated to take on some big challenge. And so most of the marathons I've ever done and – this past Mount Washington road race, I for sure had been drinking when I signed up for him. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know why I do this to myself, but I do. And then my foolish pride won't ever let me be like, well, I'm going to either just suck it up and deal with having lost the money or um, just going to like try to cancel or whatever. I'm like, well, I already signed up for it. I might as well do it because <laughs> I am an idiot. <laughs> Basically is the takeaway of my story. No comment. <laughs> but Kathy was amazing and took care of our little puppies. Yay! Yes, I had a lot of fun. I did nothing this weekend Excellent. except hang out with your dogs and watch Star Trek. So they're good company, and that is an excellent way to spend your time. So, yep. I had to rewatch Strange New Worlds so that I remembered what was happening for the new season. Yeah. Right. We didn't finish our rewatch, but we think we got about halfway through it. And then I was like, I want to go watch more Pike and Spock. So let me restart watching Star Trek Discovery, <laughs> though they don't come until the second Excellent. season. And I also yeah. still haven't watched the last season of Discovery, which 
I've oh, been really? meaning to, but I just haven't been in a headspace for that show. Because mm. yeah, I can understand. Definitely that. a very different vibe than a lot of Star Trek. Quite <laughs> yes, I like yeah. it, but it's just very different. <laughs> yeah, I like it, but it is definitely not my favorite new track. It is my. I would actually go as far as to say it is my least favorite new track. <laughs> I do mostly like it, but. I really... Uh, I definitely like all the other ones better. And I still think Lower Decks is probably my favorite, although it's really tough with Strange New Worlds. Lower Decks is fantastic, though. It's really it's really close as to which one of those is my and, favorite. Oh, Strange New Worlds. And even when, yeah. oh, when Pike showed up on Discovery, I was like, damn, this man is so good. He's so handsome <laughs> and so good. <laughs> right? And, yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed Picard, too, though. So yeah. I, like, I'm enjoying all the new track. And yeah... <laughs> good times and this stargate podcast where we're just going to talk about star trek today <laughs> yeah, instead yeah <laughs> apparently because star trek's awesome it is it's what got me into sci-fi yeah 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 i came by way of wars the four star franchises wars trek gate and search which is arguably not sci-fi very much just space opera but i like star wars yeah. i just was never i think well i've told you i never saw them all in order until they came back to the movie theaters fair before <laughs> the prequels so like i had seen all of them but i didn't really understand them because <laughs> i just watched them whenever my dad and my sister yeah. were watching them so yeah it was just always random whichever one they would happen to find on tv or like rent from the video store just happened to be whichever one they felt like watching <laughs> or whichever one just happened to be on tv so yeah never really understood the whole storyline until i saw That's them in order fair. and you know that was a good 10 or 15 years after i was already securely a star trek yeah, fan yeah. so I'm like, oh, okay, I see why people like this <laughs> now that they're in order and they make sense. <laughs> I had not seen them yeah. all out of order, but I had seen Return of the Jedi before any of the other ones. So Fair. there were no spoilers for me in the movies. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not that I didn't like them either. I did like the Star Wars movies. I just didn't really quite understand sure. how the, the storyline, because... It was always like, not just out of order, but always like a couple years in between. Like I would see the second one and then five years later, see the first one. And then two years later, maybe see the third one <laughs> and then see the second one again, six months later or whatever. So yeah, it was always very sporadic. So yeah. Weird. And maybe one day we can talk about how new Stargate is coming. <laughs> right? Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Still holding out hope for that. Yeah. I haven't heard any new rumors on new Stargate in a while. Other than that, one of the older show, I think he was a showrunner, producer, I forget exactly the guy's name and role, but, um, and that there was one guy in particular, as well as Michael Shanks, who were really pushing for it. And Michael Shanks was going to be in it if they do get around to doing it, theoretically, supposedly. Yeah. So we'll wait and see, yeah. I guess, what happens on that front. Yeah. We still have be plenty nice. of Stargate to talk about in the meantime, though. We have so much Stargate <laughs> still to talk about. Yeah. I'm just wondering if the internet has anything to say. April 11th. New Stargate series happening. Confirmed. Joseph Malazzi. <gasps> confirmed. <gasps> For real okay, confirmed? Wait. What? Where's our news source on this? <laughs> this is giantfreakingrobot.com, which I've never heard of. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds very reputable. Oh, but also the companion, new Stargate okay. series and new movie in the works at Amazon, according to the companion, who I do trust. And how have we missed this? I don't know. It's like two months old news. Breaking news, everybody. Wait, we got to stop. <laughs> stop the podcast to break some news. <laughs> Gateworld, Stargate's return might begin with a feature film. Okay, now I'm just reading headlines. Why don't I actually read an article? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go with the first one. I'm not going to read it word for word to everybody. Don't worry. That would be very boring. Uh, it says Joseph Malazzi. So he was the producer and writer. I knew it was somebody from the original series. It was him that I was blanking out on the name of. Uh, has confirmed a new Stargate series. It's going to be on Amazon Prime. Of course. God damn it. <laughs> for those who don't know, I do my best to not use Amazon whenever possible. Whereas I use it obsessively, and I've tried not to and given I have, up. No, we had been ex enjoying for the last year Prime because Amazon auto-charged my mom's account days after she died. So we <laughs> had that for a year, but now I have no Prime, and I don't want to give Amazon more money. <laughs> but that is okay. In For Stargate, I will. 
I try to just console myself by saying it's okay that I shop on Amazon because I used to actually work for them as a driver. And if I'm still willing to shop from them, even though they are not a great company to work for, then it's it's fine. There are, I mean, <laughs> fine, there right? are very it's few fine. places I feel like that are good. So yeah, they had some not great policies, but it's so convenient and it saves me so much time because every time I try to buy something not on Amazon. I have to go to like five different stores to find it. And then I always end up spending more money and it's a waste of my time and my money. For sure. I've been looking around just for like, I mean, obviously Amazon is very much a one-stop shop, but I've been looking around just Googling products I need and then trying to find individual retailers who sell that. And now sometimes it seems a little sketchy. (laughs) <laughs> but sometimes they have what I need when Amazon doesn't sometimes too. Like I've been looking yeah. for new headphones because mm-hmm. I'm very specific about my portable headphones. I don't like the earbuds that are just earbuds and that's it because they fall out of my ears and I'm surely. Icky wine weirdo. It's all right. We're just talking about Kathy's headphones falling out of her ears anyway. I was listening up until that point. (laughs) This is not very interesting anyway, but like... It isn't. But I'm also skimming the article trying to figure out the most important tidbits while you're talking. I like the ones that go around your neck and then have wires that attach to your ears so then I can just take them off and let them dangle and it's not a problem. Yeah. And some of these still exist, but I very specifically liked the pairs that I've had in the past that were flexible, but not super flexible. And I liked the way the controls were. Um, and I have been having a hard time finding something similar that is not insanely expensive. But I finally found some random website. They're not perfect, but they are flexible and they go on around my neck and I am happier with them. But anyway, that's long story yes. short. I didn't buy them yeah. off of Amazon. <laughs> Fair. Fair. And speaking of the wine weirdo, I am drinking something from one of your beer delivery folk, goblins or wizards or whatever. <laughs> I have this, and maybe from you, I, I am drinking this chai stout that you guys so kindly gave me. Yeah, we picked that up on our way home. It wasn't a beer delivery thing that was um wet stone. i know <laughs> just thinking okay. about in the spirit of jeff delivering oh i beer. get it i'm very slow it's okay i get it i get it that was that was the grateful puppy yeah guardian up dog gargoyle chai stout <laughs> up dog chai stout yeah yeah grateful puppy guardian gargoyles bringing you bringing you noms yeah yeah on the way home <laughs> there we go i got there so the long story short, I'm glad that you like it because I hate chai and I like stouts, but I thought it sounded gross. But I was like, you know who would like this is Kathy. It's, it's not bad. And the chai is pretty subtle. Like it's there, but mm-hmm. it's not overwhelming. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Maybe I wouldn't have hated it, but figured you'd like yeah. it. And the barrel aged one, I thought that's definitely Kathy Beer. <laughs> yeah. So this article, the original creators are not tied to it, nor are any of the original cast, despite the rumors that Malazzi and Michael Shanks would be tied to it. So hopefully it won't be the train wreck that Stargate Origins was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it does say nobody from the original cast is signed on, but they do mention Amanda Tapping and Richard Dean Anderson being involved in those AI script table reads and they say that maybe they're still interested as a result of that but there's a huge difference between a one-off table read and involving yourself in a whole new series so for sure i think that might be a little bit of a leap that this article is making to say that maybe they'll be interested because they did that thing and maybe it'll be great who knows I and it's so. it's interesting because i'm just thinking about the fact that the stargate shows have always been except for universe mostly have been largely framed as a military yeah sci-fi show i mean universal mm-hmm. i mean there's obviously military in there but it would be it, they could go any way with it they don't have to like keep it as a u.s air force like right joint yeah. yeah i don't know anyway interesting So I don't know how we managed to miss this news, probably because I had such a crazy busy semester that 
Yeah. Wasn't reading Stargate. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's also been a pretty busy yeah. summer. How would we handle that? We've already still been debating how to handle the SG-1 and Atlantis crossover period. What would we do if we also had new Stargate <laughs> to add into that mix? Curl up in a ball under my desk and cry. Yeah, probably. <laughs> do you probably. know who's not thinking about the future of Stargate? <laughs> Who's that, Kathy? It is everyone involved in this upcoming episode we're going to be talking about because they are yep. solely concerned with telling us what has already happened on Stargate. Yes. Yes. You know what I had tentatively been thinking would be a good segue that didn't end up working with the conversation, but I'm going to mention it Do anyway it. because it amuses me because I was going to talk about what a slog Mount Washington <laughs> is or was, and then I was going to be like, you know what else was a major slog? <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I don't know. <laughs> with that said, would you like to start or would you like me to Should start? we name the episode first? I guess so. This episode is Stargate SG-1, Season 6, Episode 17, Disclosure, a clip show just for us. <laughs> a boring clip show at that. They've done a decent job with some of the clip shows that they've yeah. done before. This was not one yeah. of them. I was wondering, though, this is the season where they jump networks, and I wonder if mm. they decided to go, because they went deep like into the past in like, some of this stuff. They did. If they wanted to, like, get people up to speed if they hadn't seen it. Yeah. No, you're probably right. Because I was like, why are they going into so much detail about the entire universe? And they were going into, like, the definitions of all the terminology and the full history of the various alien races. I'm like, why are they doing this? That would totally make sense if it was because they had switched networks and were trying to recruit a bunch of new people. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Back in the day when you couldn't just stream all of the previous episodes. That's true. Like you can now. Like I could watch all of the first season of Strange New Worlds before watching the next one the same day. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> See, kids, on-demand streaming was not always a thing. And we had to take our episodes one week at a time. And we liked it. No, we didn't. That's true. Unless you had a friend at church who taped a TV show for you so that when you did start to get into it, you could watch the <laughs> backlog of the first three seasons that you missed. That was never my experience. You, who are you talking about? Oh. We'll plot out that name, but that was for The X-Files, yep. which I picked up in season three, oh, and she had taped yeah. all of it. Ah. And it right. was awesome. Well, that's convenient. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't get into that show until way late because I had missed the first many years and had no idea what was happening. She would give me tapes of The X-Files, and I would give her movies nice. because, I don't know, she just... Didn't watch a lot of movies. Anyway. Fair. <laughs> Fair. So, yeah. Who, this episode. Yeah, huh? yeah. This has been like our longest opening ever. <laughs> we hope you're all still I with know. us. And that you haven't gotten bored like we were with this episode of the show and already turned us off. <laughs> TBH wouldn't blame me if you skipped the whole episode. But only yep. because we're going to talk about things we've already talked about. Yeah. But don't skip it. Please stay with us because we love you. Yeah. yeah. I did a few extra research tangents that didn't even necessarily have anything to do with science. but just, Excellent. I got bored and so started looking at things on the internet while I was watching. <laughs> Not too many times. And sometimes they turned into nothing. But yeah. yeah, we'll see what happens. It starts in a conference room. There's a bunch of stuffy looking people in uniforms gathered around. And there's fancy tea and coffee sets and people helping themselves to tea and there's a big table and there's flags everywhere. Chekhov, not Pavel Chekhov, but other Chekhov <laughs> from this series <laughs> is there. Talking to the guy that is supposed to be the Chinese ambassador, except I was like, wait a minute, that guy is not Chinese. And so I looked up the actor, it's Francois Chow, and no, he's not Chinese, he's Cambodian. Yeah, I but was like, that's the guy from the Lost videos. I was going to say, he's kind of a that guy, but probably what most people would know him from was in the Dharma Initiative videos in Lost, yeah. yes. <laughs> They're talking about backstory of the explosion that happened under sea and a long time ago when that mothership had crashed and the SG-1 was almost lost, except that the cover story is that 
The Russians had a sub called Rostov uh, that was less than 70 kilometers from the impact of a meteor, and there was a big shockwave that caused a whole bunch of damage, and so the submarine sank as a result of a meteor strike, and that was their cover story for the mothership, I guess. <laughs> and the Chinese ambassador, who I don't think we ever actually get his I name. Don't think we get any of their names except for Chekhov, who we already knew. Yeah, so the non-Chinese Chinese ambassador is like, that's a bullshit story. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody believes you. And also all the Americans keep telling us bullshit stories. And then the British ambassador and the French ambassador come over and join in and are basically just commiserating about how many bullshit stories they're getting from the U.S. government that none of them believe and how suspicious they all are about everything that they're hearing from the U.S. government. So that's fun. But they figure that there must be a good reason why they were all summoned here to what I would assume is the SGC for this meeting. And that's when Hammond comes in. And Chekhov is talking quietly to his aide for just a couple seconds at the beginning of the scene, but there were no subtitles and it was Russian and I was really curious what they were saying. Yeah, I don't know what they said. I couldn't find anything, but I know we have some listeners in Russia, so if anyone wants to translate that for us, or even if you're not in Russia, but just know Russian, <laughs> I'd love to know what they were saying. It probably wasn't important. I'm sure it wasn't important, because nothing in this episode was important, <laughs> but I'd still be interested <laughs> if you want to let us know. Davis is also there, because Davis is always there when they need a go-between, as we've talked about before. We don't know what his role is, other than he goes between people. <laughs> He tells everyone to take a seat, so they do, and he thanks them all for coming. Oh, they're at the Pentagon, actually. Oh, yes. They're not even at the SGC. I somehow missed that, but that's what it says in the transcript here. So they're at the Pentagon, not the SGC. He is going to tell them about their top secret program that the Air Force has been operating out of Cheyenne Mountain in Colorado, and it's called the Stargate Program. Literal dun-dun-dun to commercial yeah. or two credits. Very close up of everyone looking confused and surprised and yep. dramatic music. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I did look at who was there as oh, yeah. far as nations. And so it was the UK, US, France, Russia, and China, which are, I was like, why did they pick these? And it is, be, I'm guessing because they are the permanent members of the UN Security Council. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that actually reminds me, I left a tangent downstairs on my computer, Ooh. so I have to go get my computer. But one of my tangents was they were talking about how everybody in the room was the most powerful, uh, basically accumulated to the majority of military power in the country. So that got me on a rabbit hole of who actually did have Ooh. the most military power at that time. And according to U.S. news right now, it is Russia and then the U.S., then China, Israel, South Korea, Iran, and the U.K., which seems to be based on the size per capita GDP of the country and budget, as so okay. a combination of all of those things. But then Business Insider ranks them differently based on size, budget, tanks, and aircraft, and subs. Uh, I'm going to go run down and grab my laptop if you don't okay. mind waiting a second. I'm just going to wait here for Mary. Like you do, sitting here, drinking beer, waiting for Mary. I'm rocking in my chair with my messy hair, waiting for Mary. That's all I got. Or maybe not. Just sitting here, waiting for Mary. Mary. I think she's coming back. Maybe. There's movement in the room anyway. Sitting here. I'm back. Welcome back. Thanks. I didn't sing. <laughs> I'm sure you said other things because I did hear you talking when I put my <laughs> headphones on. I couldn't tell what you were saying. <laughs> the exact order according to Business Insider is U.S. number one and then Russia number two. Their order ha isn't as direct as the other thing was. I have to do some scrolling to get there. Number three, China. Number four, Japan. Five, India. Six, France, then South Korea, and Italy, then the UK. Okay. But those are all 
modern day. And I would imagine that with all the various wars going on, and especially with 9-11 having happened like shortly before this, I'm sure the balance of power was way different back then. Mm. But the closest that I could find was 2000. So in 2000, according to this website called nationmaster.com, and admittedly, I have no idea how reliable it is. And it seems like they were only going based on military size and nothing else like budget or how many weapons or anything they had. But according to this, in 2000, number one was China, two, Russia, three, United States, India, South Korea, Pakistan, Turkey, South Asia as a whole. Oh, okay. (laughs) I don't understand why they did that. Iran, Vietnam, Egypt, Ethiopia, Burma, Syria, Ukraine, Thailand, Indonesia, and then finally France. Okay. (laughs) And then... Brazil, Italy, Japan, Germany, Poland, UK. Anyway, long story short, no matter how you look at it, they're missing a bunch of countries if they're trying to get the majority of the world's military power. Yeah. I mean, it is still a huge chunk if you use the US, Russia, and China as your metrics there. Yeah. So most of these did seem to agree that US, Russia, and China were the top three. But having France and the UK in there is kind of like even the UK is, well, Depending on which list you go by, sometimes it was right up there and then sometimes it was way down at the bottom. So they were definitely missing a few other larger countries and larger powers in there. Yeah. So I think that that's why their UN Security Council based membership into this exclusive club of people who know about the Stargate. Indeed. Indeed. But yeah, we only ever actually hear from the French, UK and China ambassadors. So I didn't even notice the other people that were in the room. (laughs) I was like, who's there? I must see. All of the (laughs) flags were some iteration of red, white, and blue, except for the Chinese flag, too, which I thought was funny. Oh, didn't notice that either. (laughs) Nice. Fair. After credits, I guess we'll talk about it. (laughs) Yes. Oh, credits. Speaking of credits. Yeah. I watched them this time. did. And because I hadn't watched them in a while, I was like, you know what? I'm bored. I might as well watch the credits because I was already bored. And I noticed that there were a ton of Richard Dean Anderson's greatest hits. And everyone else only got one or two. But Richard Dean Anderson got like, I don't know, maybe five or six. I didn't actually count exactly how many. Uh, Everyone else got maybe like two (laughs) or three. And then Don S. Davis only got one. (laughs) So I was like, all right. Is this them pandering to him to try to get him to stay since, I guess, as you were saying, there were rumors that he was trying to leave or thinking of leaving at this time. So they're like, what if we just put more of your face in the opening credits? Looking tough, shooting guns. Yeah. Shaking hands with aliens. Yeah. Yeah. Him waking up in the sarcophagus is not there anymore, though. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what that's about. Yeah. So that's my fun update on the opening (laughs) credits. Thank you. You're welcome. After those credits, they continue their meeting. Major Davis goes into an explanation of the history of them finding the Stargate. It was discovered in Egypt in 1928. In 1945, they tried to use it. They used it once and couldn't use it again. No mention at all of the events that happened in Stargate Origins. But spoiler alert, everybody involved in that supposedly was killed or had their memory wiped anyway, (laughs) so there, I guess, wouldn't have been a record. But yeah, Davis mentions it being opened once by accident in 1945, which is the episode we saw with Ernest, but the Origins series took place in 39, and they opened it then. But But yeah. Then, then there was Daniel. Then there was Daniel. And Daniel was able to figure out how to get the gate working. Ever since they've gotten the gate working consistently, they've literally visited hundreds of planets. When they brought Daniel's picture up on the screen, I was just thinking to myself how hilarious it would have been if they had used James Spader's (laughs) Daniel instead of Michael Shanks. Because I'm like, well, they're talking about the events of the movie and Michael Shanks isn't really directly tied to the show anyway. They should have just leaned into it with James Spader. That would have been hilarious. (laughs) Yes, they would have. They didn't do that, sadly. I guess because technically Michael Shanks is still involved. And also, I'm sure they didn't have the rights to using the images, since they even had to change the spelling of some random characters' names, like O'Neill and Share. Unsurprisingly, the ambassadors gathered there are a little more than skeptical about this. Yes. 
But Hammond and Chekhov both assure them that this is all true. The British ambassador is a little incensed that Chekhov knows about this. <laughs> Chekhov sort of like, I'm going to say rubs it in their faces anyway. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I was also thinking about the fact that Chekhov had just been trying so hard to sell them on the cover story for what happened to the sub like just a minute ago. And now all of a sudden he's like, yeah, I've been in on it the whole time. Maybe Chekhov didn't know what this meeting was about for some reason, but why else would General Hammond and Major Davis be there? Yeah, I don't know if Chekhov had any idea. And if he did, then why wouldn't he just be like, let's talk about that story later. Let's talk about that sub later or whatever. So weird. It was weird. (laughs) Did you notice this guy's, the British actor's accent? I thought it was very bad. And I tried to figure out where he was actually from and I couldn't find any information about him. I didn't know. I didn't realize his accent was bad, but I thought he was a pretty bad actor. (laughs) Okay. I found somebody who had the same name, but looked different. Mm. That was supposedly from south africa so i was wondering if that might just have been the same guy with a lot of cosmetic work or whatever maybe but that would explain why i'm like he doesn't sound british though (laughs) the british guy is quite angry about this having been recently called the greatest ally to america by the president hammond's like don't worry they only knew because they got information sold to them by some asshole that was part of our team (laughs) yeah that makes it better they also say multiple stargates somewhere along the way so they're all annoyed that the russians also had a stargate for a while yeah yeah chekhov explains there were two stargates they got it from the bottom of the ocean and then we get our first clip which is from the episode nemesis basically just showing the old stargate the old started exploding yes thank you when the replicators were all there and being terrible so that's the first scene slash clip yeah (laughs) after credits i guess it's the second scene whatever yeah whatever the entire episode takes place in just one room so it's kind of hard to say where scenes end and begin other than that they're punctuated by clips (laughs) Davis goes on to talk about how the Russians gave their gate to the Stargate program. So that basically the U.S. is still in charge of the whole program, but that the Russians do have some access to the gate. The Chinese ambassador does call Chekhov out here about the explosion on the nuclear submarine being a cover story for some of the events that were happening when they lost the other gate. And they're like, no, actually, that was a cover-up of something else. (laughs) (laughs) And so then they start talking about the Gould ship that crashed into the ocean. Davis is like, yeah, I know it's confusing at first glance because he's starting to talk about the Asgard and, you know, the different types of ships. And the British ambassador is like, oh, no, what could possibly be more clear? There was a couple different aliens and some other different ships and Russian submarines and everything's totally clear. But what about the two meteors? And Davis is like, there were three ships, not meteors. <laughs> not really helping clarify things for anybody. The ambassador seems a little bit miffed about that. But then all of a sudden, Kinsey comes in to break the tension. He apologizes for being late and asks what he's missed. The French ambassador, who also didn't sound like he had a very good accent. I couldn't figure out where he was from either. It seems like he's probably from Canada and not actually from France, just kind of based on some of his bio stuff. I did notice that both the French ambassador and the British ambassador had small bit roles on MacGyver. And I was wondering if that had anything to do with their appearance on this show. Rick, we need some work, man. (laughs) Please. (laughs) Even if it's just for one episode. (laughs) That you're not even in. Can you be British and French? No, but we'll try. (laughs) You're hired. I did notice the French ambassador looked a little bit like Macron, which was Ah. weird because Macron was not in the picture at the time, at least, you know, not as prominently as now. But (laughs) But anyway, the French ambassador speaks up and says that Davis and Hammond have been telling them tall tales. And Kinsey's like, you've been at this for who knows how long and they don't even believe you. And I wanted to be like, fuck off, Kinsey. It has been literally five minutes. Because I looked at the time 
stamp at this point. It was like eight minutes in and I'm like, all right, well, between the intro part where they hadn't even started talking about it yet and credits, yeah, it's been five minutes. The British guy asks if everybody in the government knows about it since Kinsey's here and he knows about it, but they talk about the fact that Kinsey is one of the few people that knows about the program because of his role on the Appropriations Committee and Kinsey then goes on to ramble about how much money he thinks is being wasted on the program and also talks about the fact that the Chinese government keeps threatening to go public with whatever information that they have that contradicts all of the bullshit cover stories that the U.S. keeps doling out. Those are just a couple of the reasons why they've decided to start bringing other countries in on this right now. But also, the planet is facing imminent danger. He tells everybody to is it? their shock and dismay. <laughs> no, because he then goes on to just talk about basically the system lords are just continuing their infighting and like hiding out in their various corners and amassing power, but nothing new. He doesn't say anything at all about any new intel that actually indicates an imminent attack or anything different <laughs> than what has already been the case the past six years of system lords just vying for power. Fun. But they're like, but it's only a matter of time until one of them comes out on top and then they come here. And yeah, their whole reasoning for why now is the right time to bring the ambassadors in was just bullshit and stupid also. It was just dumb. <laughs> the ambassadors are still trying to figure out exactly what's going on. And they ask about who, assuming that this isn't all some big elaborate hoax, who exactly made the Stargates? Was it the Gwawold? But... No, it was, of course, the ancients. Amazing. The Gwawolds, though, were the ones coming over here and taking humans and putting them other places and enslaving them. It does sound so ludicrous. <laughs> it really does when you summarize it this way in particular. Yeah. I'm like, this is just asinine. <laughs> Why do we watch this show? <laughs> Hammond mentions that the Gwawolds have dozens, if not hundreds, of vessels. I guess they're talking about motherships at that point and the imminent threat still, which is not exactly imminent. But then we just get a couple more clips from Serpent's Venom and also Exodus, where we get to see what Death Gliders are able to do and an Alkish and some mothership footage. So basically just a greatest hits of <laughs> gold aircraft. Yeah. And then we also get a little bit extra even beyond that from the Sentinel with Marul when there's the mothership attacking their planet. So there's even more, even more about their firepower from the air and from space. Yeah, because the British ask if they can be negotiated with, and they're like, yeah. and no. <laughs> no, no, they can't. Not so much. <laughs> yeah. It just keeps continuing. After they explain how they can kill you from the air. They talk about how they land and come in closer and yep. bomb you some more. And then gather their troops on the surface. Yep. <laughs> because each mothership is capable of carrying hundreds, if not thousands of warriors. Yeah. And then we get a view of the SG-1 watching a bunch of troops. <laughs> Very thrilling. Yes. It was a very exciting clip. After this long description of how the gold operate, the French are like, if this is all true, the French, the French guy, there's only one. It's not yep. the whole nation of France questioning this. Well, he represents Although the he whole is, nation of yes, France. Yes, that is true. He is the ambassador. He's yeah. like, so the U.S. government is taking unilateral action that's placed the whole world in jeopardy, huh? <laughs> This is like the one part of this episode that made me laugh. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, yes. yes, that is exactly what's been happening. Kinsey takes that opportunity to pile on about how terrible it is and how he thought the gate was too dangerous, but he was overruled. Hammond's like, well, the president actually tried to take your recommendation and it almost killed us all. And SG-1 is the only reason we're all here. And Kinsey's like, yeah, SG-1, they suck. You defeated Apophis, and now there's an even more dangerous ghoul who's taken over. Yeah. Sure. And then we get a clip of Anubis putting that device into Thor that will attach him to the ship. Spiky ball. Spiky ball. I don't know what it's actually yeah. called. The giant ball that should not be able to fit into anyone's brain without destroying it, but somehow downloaded Thor's brain. Yeah. 
something. So Anubis is the threat, but he's not imminent. Like, they're not on a yeah. same timeline where they're all going to die in a few hours or days. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think he seems, at this point anyway, he doesn't seem to be any worse than Apophis or any of the other system lords yeah. that we've seen. And they don't even mention Baal in this episode at all. And I thought he was supposed to be pretty much, it was up to like him and Anubis who was going to end up the most powerful, but there's no mention of Baal. They only talk about Anubis as yeah. the one big threat that's left, <laughs> which is weird. Because there's also still yeah. other system lords besides those two. But they do mention that Anubis has tried to destroy Earth twice already. Which, again, the ambassadors are rightly like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah. So then we get a clip of the asteroid that Anubis set on course for Earth that SG-1 was able to warp through the planet. Yeah. Yeah. Which we get a clip of that happening. They don't mention the second attempt, but... Oh, that was the Stargate with his face. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Yeah, the asteroid was the second attempt, the overpowering the Stargate exploding stargate was his first one so kinsey keeps making all these arguments about how we're all screwed but then hammond and davis are like but also we took care of it so it's fine yeah (laughs) yeah but you almost didn't yeah (laughs) (laughs) it was a very close call in both cases this is where hammond mentions that the nations represented in this room make up the bulk of the planet's military capacity and so if everyone works together They'll have a better chance of fighting off Anubis whenever the next attack comes in. Chekhov rightfully mentions that it would require an unprecedented level of military cooperation, as well as a commitment to keeping absolute secrecy. (laughs) What could go wrong with that plan? The Chinese ambassador is very skeptical and wants to go and warn his people right away. But Davis is like, yeah, how about no, though? Just get your butt back in the seat. The French ambassador chimes in. It's going to cause even more panic if alien troops just start invading the streets than if we tell them about it in advance. So maybe telling people is the right thing to do? The British guy is also skeptical about the need to keep everything a secret since he's like, a full-scale space attack is going to be kind of noticeable even here on Earth. You're going to see that happening up in the sky. Hammond says they're hoping it doesn't come to that, and that so far Stargate Command has managed to keep it secret with all their bullshit stories. (laughs) But they've got some damn good people, and they've given as good as they've gotten, so everything's going to be fine. And the British dude's like, I'm assuming you're talking about SG-1, and Hammond is, of course, like, yeah, hell yeah, SG-1. We get a clip from Exodus where Sam has to blow up a star and is kind of excited and overwhelmed at the thought of blowing up a star. They let the gate go and spin it into the sun. The British ambassador is like a significant achievement, but it sounds like the circumstances will be difficult to duplicate. (laughs) Yes, it will be difficult to duplicate because who has spare stargates hanging around? Yes, spare stargates and also extra stars to blow up with their errant stargates. Hammond says that with all the advanced technology they have, they do have a fatal flaw, which is their arrogance. Something that humans don't possess at all. No, Mm. definitely not. Definitely not. Davis is like, yeah, we've taken advantage of it so many times that they just don't see us as a threat. And so we go to the Sentinel episode where Sam sends a couple missiles through the gate and blows up one of two groups of Jaffa. (laughs) And the British dude is like, very impressive. And I was thinking, is it? They blew up like one guy with a missile and maybe the guy standing next to him. They don't mention the fact that the other missile actually missed its mark and those Jaffa ran off into the woods. (laughs) So like, yeah, if you send a missile at someone, odds are it might kill them. (laughs) I don't really understand what was supposed to be impressive about that storyline but anyway hammond's like our primary mission has been to obtain technology capable of defending the planet they've made significant progress towards that as far as davis is concerned kinsey of course steps in to argue that he doesn't agree with that statement so that's fun thanks for that kinsey 
So then they go into talking about the new aircraft that the Air Force has been developing, specifically the X-301. And we get a whole flashback of them flying around in the X-301. Until things go wrong and they can no longer control the ship. And then they're like, yeah, but forget about the X-301. What you really should be paying attention to is the X-302. That's the one that really things went well for. Why are they even telling them about their failed attempts? I don't know. I was wondering that, too. You're not going to sell them on it if you're telling them that the technology that you developed with it failed spectacularly. They could just say, well, we got this technology and then we were able to incorporate it into our technology and made this thing. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, they move on and talk about the X-302, and we just get a clip of Carter in the X-302 doing all their checks and mentioning that everything is working fine. So the Chinese ambassador is incredulous that the U.S. Air Force has an interceptor capable of aerial combat and space flight, and Davis is like, damn straight we do. But the Chinese ambassador is very angry to learn that which is kind of understandable. He goes on to say that their government's been operating the Stargate for six years, supposedly for the benefit of mankind, but all that they've really been doing is getting themselves into trouble and creating a military that makes the U.S. unstoppable and putting everyone else in the world at a severe disadvantage. And Hammond's like, no, we're only going to use it against the gold. This is totally different (laughs) from the other times when that planet wanted us to give them our military secrets and they promised they would only use it in defense. Well, for reals, we're only going to use it in defense. Unlike those Mm -hmm. other people that we know we couldn't have trusted for that (laughs) purpose. Yeah. Hammond's pretty sure that if they ever encounter a Gwold mothership, that they're going to be able to use some version of the technology that they've been working on developing to fight back against them. And then we see the X-303 <laughs> coming up out of the ground. Do, do you think they mentioned that the first flight of the X-303 was because it was hijacked? <laughs> I was wondering that, and it doesn't seem to me like they did anywhere, because, yeah, we just get a shot of it leaving and then no mention of the fact that that whole project was because the ship had been stolen. (laughs) They're like, yeah, Prometheus, it's great. It can carry a bunch of X-302s and it's awesome. Again, the Chinese ambassador's like, I need to go talk to my government now. And again, the Americans are all like, no, sit down again. We have more things to talk to you about first. Everyone in the room is pissed off that the U.S. has this level of power and that they've been holding all this information to themselves. The French ambassador suggests moving the gate to a neutral location and creating a permanent staff drawn from all five nations. And Hammond's like, no, that would be a bullshit plan. That's stupid. (laughs) Sure. I was like, is it a bad idea, though? Because it sounds like a pretty good idea to me. (laughs) But Chekhov is like, no, the United States is right. We're fine with them leading this. (laughs) Okay, whatever. So arguing continues a little bit, but Kinsey is like, how about we just all figure out some sort of a compromise? I'm going to offer a compromise. And that compromise (laughs) is that it be taken over by the NID. (sighs) With all of their various corruption issues and rogue agent issues, what could possibly go wrong with the NID taking it over? (laughs) He mentions the fact that The NID's mandate is to keep an eye on top secret projects like the Stargate program. They're not a government organization, though, so it would be the perfect solution to have them run the Stargate program. And then Davis is like, but don't you remember when they tried to kill you? It was like two weeks ago. Kinsey's like, nah, those were just rogue agents. Everything's fine. What does Agent Barrett have on Kinsey? (laughs) Yeah, there's been so many rogue agents that it's just so bizarre. So weird. At this point, Hammond asks Kinsey if they can speak in private. So that kind of breaks up the meeting and they're all going to go take a break while Hammond and Kinsey talk. Yeah. And we get chain reaction in the next episode which is where 
Hammond had to quit because the NID was blackmailing him <laughs> and had essentially short-term kidnapped his granddaughters from school yeah. <laughs> just to prove that they could. Hammond calls it a borderline criminal organization. <laughs> yes. And he also says their true mandate has always been to acquire alien technology at any cost. And the French ambassador is like, well, if Anubis is such a threat, then isn't that good? Major Davis is like, well, tell that to the people of Madrona. Like, they know who that is. Right? <laughs> Davis gives the backstory of, you know, NID stole a weather device from their planet and they were all going to die. But then SG-1 saved them by finding the rogue NID agents and hanging on to the weather device while the NID agents escaped through the Stargate in a crate. Major Davis continues about how terrible the NID is, explaining that... They continued their operations off-planet, but the Asgard put a stop to that. And then we get a clip of Shades of Grey, where the Asgard beam up all of the stolen technology, and Jack makes them all choose between being taken by the Asgard or going to prison on Earth, and they all choose prison on Earth and go back through the Stargate with them. Kinsey's like, yeah, NID's been questionable in the past, but the status quo's not great either. Then he says, General Hammond, that you and Jack O'Neill are still in charge of the Stargate program. <laughs> I thought that was really funny that he put Jack yes. in the same sentence as Hammond as running it. Right? <laughs> yeah. Kinsey knows what's up, even though he's an ass. He does. <laughs> he tells Hammond he's questioning his competence. He's not exactly wrong to do no. that. <laughs> so let's have a look at your record. And he pulls out some files and he's like, I have a bunch of incidents where the Stargate program has brought Earth to the brink of destruction. <laughs> let's have a look at these. Remember that time that you opened the Stargate to a black hole and almost killed us all? They're like, oh, we didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> and we fixed it. It's fine. <laughs> so we got a clip of Jack dangling over the Stargate in that episode with the bomb that they put through to close down the Stargate. And Kinsey's like, how about that time that your base was overrun by aliens? And I was like, which time? In this case, we're talking about... <laughs> Message in a bottle where they had that sphere that pierced Jack to the wall. And then following that up, we do see the replicators in the base with SG-1 fighting them off. And also we get a clip of Foothold, even though, does Kinsey know about that? Or are we just getting that, like... I would assume that he does. I think Kinsey just knows everything that's going Fair. on. <laughs> and that he's got some cronies in there probably telling him things that are happening. Yeah. And then in that clip, they just show the aliens trying to escape through the gate and then them blowing themselves yeah. up. But also, if it's supposed to be so top secret that even Jonas wasn't supposed to know, then should they actually be sharing this at this yeah. meeting? Yeah. Well, it is Kinsey. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And he's like, that's just the tip of the iceberg. We can't trust you anymore. And then they have another break. They do. Hammond and Davis have a little aside on this break. Davis has found out that Kinsey is moving to intelligence oversight from appropriations. I don't know if that gives him more power. I guess it gives him more power. Sure. Hammond says that it would put him in direct power over the NID, oh. at least, if not necessarily over the SGC. So that would make sense why he would want the Stargate program to be in control of the NID. But Hammond has his own ace up his sleeve, so he leaves to go do something. And then we see Tuckoff talking to the other ambassadors specifically the Chinese ambassador, basically trying to sell him on how great it is that the U.S. is in charge of the whole program and is taking on all of the cost and the vast majority of the risk. But because of the agreement that Russia has with the U.S., they're still going to get the benefit of like any plans for any ships and anything like that while putting their people at minimal risk and having minimal actual dollar costs sunk into the program. Chekhov makes more sense than anyone else in this episode. He does. He really does. Yeah, he's talking specifically about the X-303, which they're going to have the plans to 
they get the blueprints after the ship is finalized, essentially. Hammond comes back from wherever it was that he has gone to, which we still don't know yet. And Kinsey also comes back in. Hammond asks everybody to consider something. And that is the fact that whoever's running Stargate is also acting as an ambassador for the planet, meeting with other races and establishing new relationships and friendships with other worlds. SGC has made a whole bunch of friends. And yeah, they've made some enemies, but they've made a lot of friends. And so maybe let them continue to be in charge of it because they can keep making more friends. And they've already got some friends. That seemed like a really weak argument to me. But that was his argument that the SGC has already made some friends. And so maybe those friends wouldn't want other countries on our planet being involved. That was ridiculous. That was a really bad argument. Yeah. But we do get a scene from the fifth race, which is the episode where... Jack got his brain taken over and then ended up on the Asgard planet. And the Asgards talk about how humans have great potential. The Chinese ambassador seems kind of sold on that, though. I'm not sure if he's so much sold on that or just placating Hammond because he's more convinced about what Chekhov was saying rather than what Hammond was just saying. Well, he says he still says he's going to recommend full disclosure to, of the Stargate program True. to his people. So I don't know how yeah. convinced he was. True. French ambassador says he's going to do the same thing. But then, all of a sudden, we have a guest visitor. And it's Thor. Everyone is shocked because they have not seen an alien before. Especially when that beams in. But here's <laughs> Thor. And all his alien goodness beaming in from literally nowhere. <laughs> and he talks about how the Asgard are in General Hammond's debt. And that has everyone's attention. He talks about how General Hammond has saved his people and theirs, meaning the British, yeah. French, and Chinese people, on many different occasions. And they are true friends and allies. Kinsey <laughs> tries to pander to Thor and tries to introduce himself, but Thor doesn't care. He already knows who Kinsey is and says that O'Neill had some suggestions for what Thor should do with Kinsey should they ever meet. But he was pretty sure that Jack was just joking <laughs> about <laughs> abandoning him on a distant planet. Kinsey's like, hmm, I'm sure. I'm sure he was joking. Kinsey tries yet again to talk, and Thor interrupts him yet again and says that it is the opinion of the Asgard High Council that SGC needs to stay in charge of the gate, and General Hammond specifically needs to stay in charge of the SGC and the current team as it is. And he does mention that the Asgard's friendship with Earth isn't necessarily dependent on that, but it's it's greatly preferred. Yeah. Just a yeah. vague threat, not a, a direct yeah. one. Exactly. And the British guy's like, you came all the way here just to say that? Thor's like, no, we've also got some alien technology we're putting on Prometheus because we wanted to thank specifically SG-1 for their recent efforts. So they're putting shields on the Prometheus to thank SG-1. It's about time they got something. Right? Seriously. <laughs> Thor out. He beams away. Before he does, Hammond's like, drop by anytime. Suddenly, everyone's convinced. They're like, all right. SGC it is then. <laughs> We're done here. Yeah. Episode over. Yeah. Kathy, did you like the episode? No. <laughs> because it was a clip show and i did not yes. need a clip show and i understand that people do enjoy clip shows you get a little reminder of stuff it, again if i had been watching this in real time i might have enjoyed it because it would have been like six years since i'd seen stuff from the first season i mean it's still been a couple of years now but and we also yeah. but we also talk about it so <laughs> So I didn't enjoy it because I did not need it. And also, I feel like we've done this argument before with Kinsey. And it just yeah. seems like a very thin veneer to right. have this clip show. How about you? Oh, I was so bored. <laughs> I hated it. I absolutely hated it. Given the choice between running up Mount Washington again and watching this episode again, I would still rather go out and run up that mountain in the rain and the sleet and the 
35 mile an hour winds than watch this boring ass episode again. It was awful. My ADHD brain hated every minute of it. And we didn't even get any of the main cast like we were talking about. The entire thing just took place in one room and there was just so many different clips and they rehashed so many minutia. And as you said, it makes sense, I guess, in hindsight, if you think about the fact that it probably did have to do with them switching networks, but it was just so boring. And it was just such a fast wrap up at the end, like, all right, Thor, mic drops. Yep. (laughs) And then it's over. I'm like, all right, well, that's just everything about it was just stupid and annoying (laughs) basically is my takeaway yeah yeah and like we were saying before they never even really gave a good idea for why now was the right time i feel like if they had at least come up with something like some imminent attack where we would maybe at least have a payoff for this it might not have felt so frustrating but as to my recollection, and I obviously could be wrong, but I don't think anything really changes significantly as a result of this. So it just felt pointless and stupid. I will and boring. say, having already watched the next two episodes in anticipation of our double header mm. next weekend, mm. that this has no effect on those episodes whatsoever. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler. There might be like a few brief mentions here and there of how they need to talk to some ambassador or something but i don't remember ever having anything significant to do with the series (laughs) yeah uh yeah so for those who don't know what's coming up next what's next next wait what was this this was 617 (laughs) so 618 17 okay it's a new disc in that through me Ah. okay next is season six episode 18 forsaken Exploring an off-world planet, SG-1 discovers a crashed ship and three human survivors who claim to be under constant attack by hostile aliens. While Carter helps repair the ship's computer, she learns that the survivors are hiding a secret. (gasps) And things may not be all they seem. What? Ooh. Intriguing. Who would have thought? (laughs) The TVDB says, when the team finds a crashed ship on another planet, their efforts to help the crew effect repairs, shouldn't that be effect repairs? AF? I'm pretty sure that should have been effect. It might be effect. Effect is generally the verb where effect is the noun. So would you be effecting repairs or affecting repairs? I know that you cause an effect or you will affect something. Effect is definitely the verb. Yes, it is. But how do they want to use it in this But in this particular case, talking about effecting repairs, yeah. I don't know for sure. Yeah, because I, yeah, I don't know. Any, anyway, I don't know. Anyway, I, I, it was there wasn't an easy answer when I just googled it, so I'm not going to waste time on it now. <laughs> to help the crew effect or affect or just make repairs. Uh, wait, hang on. Their efforts to help the crew make repairs are hindered by a group of aliens. Oh. Huh. That's slightly different. Yeah. 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 Should we talk about the fact that we're thinking of trying to add ads to the podcast? We probably should give people warning about that. Yeah. We're exploring that option. Yeah. Don't know for sure if that will happen or exactly when that will happen, but we've had an offer that we are looking into to start doing ads on the podcast. And that would be helpful for us. Yeah. Especially if we end up needing to do extra podcasting because of (laughs) a new series. We might be able to get someone to help us with some edits. Yeah. If we had a bit more money coming in. So we are looking into that, but I think that it is safe to say that we will always keep the Patreon feed ad free. Yeah. I think that that's an agreement that we could and should make. Yeah. Have we been posting the regular episodes to the Patreon feed? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in charge of that thing. Awesome. But the Patreon feed gets everything. It gets the regular episodes and then it also gets the bonus episodes. Sweet. So it very easy to keep that feed separate from any feed that we were using for okay. advertisements. Cool, cool. Yeah. 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 So just a fair heads up to everybody. We didn't want anyone to be suddenly surprised and angry if ads show up. And again, don't know when or even if for sure that's going to be happening, but could be happening. However, we do promise we'll keep our Patreon feed ad free since y'all are already awesome and helping to support the show. We don't want to be throwing ads at you either. That's always been something that bugged me is if I was joining. I had there was one show in particular that I was 
a member of on Patreon and they didn't give ad-free episodes to their patrons and that pissed me off and I stopped giving money to that show. <laughs> Long story Fair. short. I don't want people doing that yeah. for us. We love you and yeah, thank you for your support. And if you don't want ads, head on over to Patreon for as little as $2 a month. You won't ever hear ads. Yes. And you also get bonus episodes and usually the episode is out about a day early. Yeah. Over there. Yeah. Yeah. And in the meantime thanks for listening today yeah please remember to subscribe to our podcast if you've not done so if you could review it and like it wherever you can we would also appreciate that tell your friends and family to listen to us too if you would like to get in touch with us you can do so on our website stargazing.space wow just had a brain melt there and also you can email us at stargazing at gmail.com you can visit us on Instagram at Stargazing, and we are also on Mastodon.world at Stargazing. And as Mary mentioned, we do have a Patreon as well. If you would like to support the show in that way, you can do so at Patreon.com slash Stargazing. I'm Kathy. I'm Mary. And you've been listening to Stargazing. Yay. Yay. The end. The end. I don't think we need to go into no. a bunch of detail on all these clips. Otherwise, we'll be here like all yes. day. Especially with all the tangents that I've been going yeah. on. <laughs>